Well, good morning. <clears throat> it is uh, great to have all of you here. Great to have all of you who are uh, visiting with us. And uh, of course, we, uh, we started in this series in Galatians. And um, we've looked at these different things. And this morning, I want to look at, uh, we're going to uh, kind of dive into chapter three uh, here. And he uses this illustration in chapter three that's uh, really kind of like about adulting, right? Going from childhood to adulthood. Um, uh, but it struck me that uh, in one of his other letters, Paul wrote the book of Galatians, which is to kind of like a region uh, there. But he wrote a letter to uh, the city of Corinth, a, a particular church in Corinth. And he uses this same kind of metaphor, but in a very personal way. And I, I want to just read that first before we kind of uh, dive into the other. So uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, and uh, you'll see where... Uh, he kind of, he, he uses this idea of, of, of adulting, so to speak. So uh, chapter 13, look at verse 11. He says this, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me, right? And he's talking about this thing about like, you know, like I had to move from childhood to adulthood uh, in this thing. And, and the reality is, uh, you know, it's hard. Like, moving into adulthood is not necessarily an easy thing, right? And you can have lots of excitement about it, and maybe, you know, think back. Uh, for some of you, uh, thinking about moving into adulthood is really easy because it's, like, right in front of you. You're a young person, and, like, you're entering young adulthood, and, and you're feeling the freedom and all the pressures and everything. For some of you, like, think way back, right? Some of you, know, like, like me, like, way back. It's just like, and... And right, and there was this thing about adulthood uh, that was, it's like the same thing that made it so exciting is the thing that made it uh, difficult. Because with entering into adulthood, there is this kind of freedom uh, that most of us would find exciting and, you know, and like all those things that you want to do and you, you want to exercise just the things that matter to you and build that life. But that freedom comes, comes with another edge, doesn't it? Because all of a sudden, with freedom comes this kind of responsibility. Because when you're the one making the decisions about your life, who's responsible for those decisions? You are. And all of a sudden, it's no longer just, well, mom, dad told me I have to do this. And so I'm going to show up and I'm going you know, to work the summer job because they told me I have to. Or I, I'm going to clean my room because they told me I have to. All of a sudden, like, you, like, there's no one else to put it on. It's you. And it can be exciting, but it can be a little nerve-wracking. And in Galatians, Paul's going to walk through this because he, he wants us to understand some things about spiritual adulthood that really matter, that we can struggle with. Uh, at times. And we're all going to struggle with it. And um, I, I got to experience this, uh, you know, I, I've gotten to experience this on both sides, right? I remember being a young person and going into uh, this. But now I have two young adults as kids, and all, I'm watching them transition into this. Um, a few years ago, when Chandler was still in his, uh, uh, working on his, uh, uh, his bachelor's degree in this, he got his very first job in the field that he wanted to go into. So he had had other jobs, but like none of them were in the field he wanted to go uh, into. And he was a psychology major. And so he got a job 
in behavioral health. And it was uh, at a, an organization that had lost uh, lots of patients, and he was so excited about it. He had dreams about, like, the stuff he was learning and the stuff that he mattered. And he had all these thoughts and everything about everything he was going to do and what he was going to do. And he just, man, he just stepped in it with just so much excitement. And then, right? And so if you've been an adult for a while, you, like, you know what's coming. It's like there's this thing about adulthood that you run into that just like, oh, like, like it's exciting, but go, there's this other side to it that is difficult. Um, he was working uh, with this clinic, and a lot of their patients were court-assigned, which meant they weren't coming there because they were saying, you know, I want to be a better person. I want to work on my life, and I'm coming to seek help from you. They're going, the judge said I either go to jail or I come and talk with you, right? <laughs> so, so immediately, right off the bat, like, it's just like, oh, like, this isn't going the way I thought it would go in all of these things. And I get this call late one night as he's struggling with just, uh, you know, office politics and things aren't going the way he thought and he wanted to make these changes, but like, all, and all of this, and he's just like, dad, what do I do? Like, do I need to quit? Do I need to go someplace else? Do I need to have this kind of conversation? Do I need to like, and there was even at one point he goes like, you know, should I go talk to, to, to the judge? Because the judge like decided him just, and I was like, well, let's think through that a little bit here. <laughs> we just show up at court and, you know, tell the judge how things ought to be when you're still working on your bachelor's, right? Now, um, what I found myself doing in that moment, though, uh, was not telling him, here's what you need to do. Because I realized, this is part of adulting. Like, he has to own these decisions. Like, and, and my role as a dad needs to change in this. Because what I dream for him is not that he would grow up and keep doing everything that I think he ought to be doing and have him completely dependent on me for all the major decisions he's going to make for the rest of his life, right? That's not the dream of any parent. The dream of every parent is that their child would grow up and they would grow into adulthood to become well-functioning, like, individuals that, that, that they're not going to get everything perfect, but they know how to own that freedom responsibly, right? And so I found myself like in this spot of how do I help him, but in a different way, right? And, and that's part of adulthood uh, in this. It's, a, it's, it's this double-edged sword. It, it holds this beautiful freedom that we love, and yet there's also something that can be scary about adulthood. We can find ourselves running back to something and saying, uh, just tell me the answer. Just tell me the answer, and I'll go do it. And, and what we'll find here in Galatians, as we look at Galatians 3, is that Paul is going to look to us, and he's going to ask us and th to think about and step into spiritual adulthood and leave some of these other things behind. But here's the struggle. Right? This is the struggle I have. I'm sure you have at different moments. Um, and it can happen in a couple of different ways. I'm sure some of you here, uh, like, you've been with us as a church, and you've heard us talk about that spiritual life that is centered in Christ, centered in grace, centered in love, and we move forward with faith, right? And then, uh, you know, last week, if you didn't hear 
uh, Ryan's message last week, you should go back and listen to it, where Ryan talks about this whole thing about like sometimes we hear that very certain voice, that strong voice that wants to pull us back to something that is not relying on faith as much as it's relying on works or religious rule keeping. And it's like, man, it was said with such certainty. What if, what if that's right and I'm wrong? What, what if I'm doing something foolish here with my spiritual life? I mean, I think this is the right thing, but like, what? And I hope this morning, as we walk through what Paul says about spiritual adulthood, that it will help you be at ease with like, okay, this is hard, but this really is what spiritual adulthood is about. And others of you, I'm sure there's a moment where you, like all of us, find yourself at a moment where you're just like, okay, I know like this faith thing and all of that stuff, but God, won't you just tell me? Just tell me what to do. It'd be so much nicer in this moment. And, and if you find yourself caught at that spot, I, I hope that this morning in some way will help you go, okay, I know I want God to just give me the answer right now. But I can see how in the long run, the life of faith that he's asking me to trust him in and pull me into really is the deeper, better thing for me. I, I hope that we all find this uh, in here. Because Paul's going to be pulling us and helping us understand what spiritual adulthood is really all about. Now, it gets back to this idea that we've talked about for uh, several weeks here about what we rely on, right? And Paul is so adamant about we do not rely on the law or religious works or like there's this old system. We don't rely on that at all. Rather, we rely on faith in Christ. He says this. Look at your Bibles. uh, Flip with me over to... Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, and I want to start in verse 11, verse 11. He says uh, this, just kind of his review here. Um, He says this, he says, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith, right? Spiritual adulting means living by faith uh, in this. Now, um, He then walks through a couple of questions. So what I want to do with the rest of my time, I want to walk through these two questions that apparently were being asked because he answers these as questions being asked. And then I want to apply, I just want to draw some application uh, to this about how we can all more deliberately step into spiritual adulthood uh, on this. So um, the first question is this. It's this idea that it comes down to like, okay, I get, I get the whole thing in Christ and it's about faith, but, but I see all of these advantages, advantages about the law and the rules and the things and the clarity and, and like, why can't, why can't we just pull them together? Why can't we take like the best of what faith and grace and all of that is and then just take the best of the law and spiritual rule keeping and like pull them together? Like it'd be like, like, like doubly good. Why can't we do that sort of thing on there? And I think that's an honest question. And it's like that's being asked, being addressed here. And he answers that. So uh, look, at, uh, look at verse 12, because this is where he begins uh, to answer this. He says, but the law is not faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. And what he starts doing here is he talks about 
uh, living by faith is like a system that you live by, like an operating system, or uh, living by like religious rules or rule keeping or the law, like that's like an operating system. And what he's trying to say here is he says, listen, if you, if you try to mix them together, you're, in the end, you're really not mixing them. You're, you're picking something or you're going to mix this in a way that it's not going to work because you're going to pick something and you will live by it like it'll be an operating system that will end up affecting all of these other things that you're doing. Um, uh, for instance, l- let me ask you how, many of you, how many of you here have like an Android phone? All right. How many of you have like an OS-based uh, like phone? All right. So now, like if I were to go around and ask each of you like, do you like your Android? Do you like your iPhone? Do you like, and you would be able to talk about like, like the things that make your phone really, really good. And so why, why shouldn't I just say, okay, well, let's all raise our hands. And, and then like, why don't we mix those two uh, operating systems? Like, like, why don't you just take the best of both? Why don't you just like, if you've got an OS system, why don't you download, right? Uh, an Android operating system on it. And I know everyone's going like, that doesn't work, Glenn. You can't do it today. And that's my point. You, you can't have two different operating systems and somehow think that you can mix them and take the best of both. What he points out, what he walks through in chapter three, and I encourage you to go back and read chapter three. There's a way of religious rule keeping that is a way, like an operating system, and it will affect how you use the Bible It will affect how you view God. It will affect the kind of questions you ask about your own spiritual journey. It will affect your prayer life. It will will filter everything about your spiritual life. And there's also a way of faith, Paul is saying, of relying on faith. And it will affect how you see scripture, the questions you ask God, how you see spiritual maturity, how you pray, like like it will have this profound effect. And he's saying like you just, you can't have two spiritual operating systems, right? It will create a kind of conflict and you can't live by both, right? You, you can't do it. Um, and so then it comes to this thing where like there's this second question that kind of gets asked here in this. It's like, okay, if that's true, and, and I want you to really think about this. If that's true, right? And there was this system that we see in the Old Testament that, uh, that sometimes gets called the law. Um, it gets called a, a number of different things. It's like, and God put it there. Why did God do that in the first place? If we were supposed to, like if his goal was this whole idea of living in faith, right? Isn't this a good question? Like why bother unpacking and doing that whole thing and all that stuff we see in the Old Testament only to have to, you know, give that thing up and download a whole new system and live by this. And if you're asking that question, that's a great question uh, to ask because, right, he asked it. In fact, if you look back at uh, Galatians chapter 3, look at uh, verse 19. Look at verse 19. He even says, why then the law? Right? And, like, and here's this quote. Why then the law in the first place? Because he knew people were asking this. He goes on. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And he, he walks through this several times, but it's this idea that's like, okay, there's this reason, right? And it's because of transgressions. It's because 
There's something that they didn't have. And the law was put there. This, this kind of religious system was put there to keep people from just killing one another. It was to keep them from destroying the things that God was trying to do. There was a kind of protection that they needed until, it says, right, that the offspring, and this is Jesus, would come. Because quite frankly, there's something that Jesus brings as a power of transforming the human heart that wasn't in place. And without that in place, there was something that was needed. And what he does is he takes these two things now, and he's going to go through a series of like metaphors and stuff, and he's going to compare them as like without Jesus, it's like the world was in a place of spiritual childhood. That's, that's where the world was. When Jesus comes, it's like it ushers in spiritual young adulthood. And he wants us to understand this because there's this tendency of how we want to go back. Don't I need some of this? And what he's saying is, he no, no, like that's spiritual childhood. Like, like, don't go back to that. And he unpacks uh, what that was a little bit and what was going on with this. Uh, look at verse uh, 24. He says, he says uh, this. He says, so then, the law was our guardian until Christ came. So he's explaining the same thing, just like using a slightly different metaphor, this idea of the guardian. I'll explain that in a moment. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So it's like they didn't have Christ, and so the law acted as this uh, guardian. Um, and this term guardian... This is like a childhood term because this is, this guardian is like a nanny. It's the Greek word pedagogos. And it literally means like a nanny uh, that would also be kind of like a tutor. And it was there in place because without Christ, it, it's like spiritual childhood. And so they needed a nanny to take care of them, to tell them what to do. That's, and that's like how the law works. It's, it's kind of like, okay, here's, how, here's what time you're going to eat. Here's what you're going to eat. It's nap time. Now you get to play. Now you need to come in. Like it just, in fact, if you look back, there are sections of the Old Testament, right? That just walk that out. Like where it expressly it talks about like what you can wear and how you can dress something, what fabrics you can and can't mix together. It's got like all of these things. And you're just like, what's going on with this? Well, it's just like, just like when your kids were little and you told them what to wear, right? But if your kid is 30 years old and you're still telling him what to wear, maybe not, right? Like there's something to think about in all of that. It's this idea that like it was there to protect them. And when this is your operating system, remember how I said it becomes a system and it affects how you see and think of things, everything from prayer to the spiritual life to even how you think of scripture. Look down at verse Go back up two verses because here he talks about Scripture and how Scripture operated in this law system. Look, verse 22 says, but the Scripture, catch this, imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus might be given to those who believe. So again, it's this thing where he does this pattern of here's childhood and there's law that's like creating rules. It's in, uh, sometimes he uses the word enslaving. He uses incarcerate. Uh, he uses a guardian right here with scripture. He says scripture locks them up until what? Until Christ comes. And so th that was their view of scripture. Scripture, right, would tell you all the things that you're supposed to do and not do because it was there, right, to keep 
them safe. That was like the idea behind it. Um, when I was, uh, when I was uh, uh, very young, uh, and I've always been uh, hyperactive and lots of energy, and that would oftentimes get me into trouble or just in, in bad situations. Uh, when I was three years old, and got a, got a picture of a three-year-old here, um, I was in the backyard playing, and for whatever reason, I decided to climb the fence. I climbed the fence. We lived way out in the middle of the desert up in the Tucson Mountains. I wandered through the desert over to our neighbor's horse corral, got in the horse corral, was bit by one of their horses. And as I've heard the story, uh, my mom heard me wailing and screaming, and she goes tearing off through the desert, finds me, and a, the horse bit me in the face, and she thought that a big piece of my face was actually gone because it, it cut all the way through and the flesh like went back, cut through the muscles, the nerve, everything. And you could see my uh, teeth and everything. So, you know, she throws me in the car and goes screaming, you know, 100 miles an hour down Silver Bell Road to St. Mary's emergency room where I had been on many occasions already for other things that I had done in my life, my very young life and would continue doing, all right? And... Um, I only have like one small recollection of it. It's just looking in the rearview mirror right before my mom like spun me back around. And I remember just seeing blood in my teeth and, and like a big gap there and just like, ah, oh, you know, get there. And uh, the surgeon's like, no, I think it's all there and actually started layering it down, put it all together. I, I lived, in case you were wondering, I made it through here, okay. Um, but a funny thing happened right after that. Um, my dad went out and put up a six-foot non-climb fence around our backyard, right? Apparently, the other fence, like, wasn't enough, right? Well, why did he do that? It, you know, he didn't sit down with me and say, well, you know, Glenn, I, I want to work on your, your inattentiveness to safety concerns. And, I, and, like, let's, you know, like, no, it's just like we're putting up a fence because my three-year-old, like, just like, you know, I got to keep him safe, Right? And in a way, what Paul is saying is like, you know, they didn't have Jesus yet, right? And there's all this stuff they don't understand and they're trying to figure out and just, it's just like scripture was meant to tell them what to do like a nanny would tell someone what to do to keep them safe in this. Now, here's the other thing about this. It, it wasn't just a nanny. It, this uh, uh, pedagogos was a kind of nanny that would also function as like a tutor that, that would help them understand things and would eventually prepare them someday to actually grow up and take over the estate. Most often this uh, pedagogos uh, was someone th that was put in charge of the oldest male heir of a family because they were the ones that someday would go on to lead the whole family. But as long as they were a child, they didn't live like they were in charge of the estate. They were locked up by the nanny, is literally what he's saying here. And he's saying, like, like, like this is how it operated in this. What they needed from Scripture was something that would lock them up and keep them safe because they didn't have Jesus yet. And he walks us out. But, but what he's doing is he's setting this all up because now what he's saying is, but guess what, right? We now have Jesus. And he's like, I want you, I want you to understand this, but now I want you to think about your own spiritual life in light of this other thing. And now he begins to unpack, like, 
spiritual adulthood. And he puts this in a historic uh, uh, sense or understanding, right? Followers of God left spiritual childhood when Jesus came. Look what he says. Look at verse 25. Verse 25, he says this. But now, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Think about that for a moment, right? He has walked through all of this stuff, how scripture functioned as, as a guardian, how the law functioned as a guardian. And, and if you read it on your own later, all of these things, and it, it was meant to hold and protect. And now he says, right? But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you um, as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now that we're in Christ, we need to think about this differently. And that's my challenge to us. Is sometimes we get into this spot, right, where, where you see something. And it's like, like, do I need to go, do I need to, do I need to put that rule on me? so that I don't do something dumb, right? Isn't this the better way to, shouldn't we clamp down on things so that, we, so that we behave well in this? And what he's saying is, that's how, that, that's how you operate with children. But we operate with adults differently. And once Christ came, we enter into spiritual, like young adulthood. And we need to think about this differently, right? And so he, he walks us out. So, so let me talk about two points of application here, two points of application on this. Um, and the first one is this, and it goes back to this simple statement he makes uh, here in that last passage, and it's faith has come. Faith has come. That's so key to this new operating system, right? Um, Faith is all about adulting. And, and I know that in this thing, it's like, uh, it's like, okay, but are we really ready for this? To just, like, trust this? Like, it feels too mystical. It feels like it just gives people room to just go out and do whatever they want or take license to sin, right? It can have that effect. But he keeps pulling us back to, but you know, right, that that's not the intent of faith. The moment we take faith and say, oh, like it's my license to sin, do we call that, oh, that, boy, you're being such a great adult right now. It's like, no, that's like childish thinking in this. But the, but the challenge is, how do we step out in faith in this? And so I want to ask you, what area of your life, what, what area of your life right now, is there something where you're just like, you know, God, I feel God pushing me in this thing. I feel his call in this area. There's, there's something that he's asking me to trust him in. And maybe it's something with a relationship. Maybe it's something with your career. Like, what is that thing? And have you found yourself praying about it? And maybe there was a moment that you prayed about, because this, this happens with me. Uh, like, I'll pray about it. I'm like, okay, God, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do here? And you know, sometimes, I'll say this, sometimes we pray that way and God shares something with us, doesn't he? Like there's something he puts with great clarity on our heart. There, there's something we just love. I know God's asking me to do that. And you know what I'd say to that? Go do that. Go do that. But I'm willing to bet 
the majority of the time, God doesn't give you a preciseness to exactly what you're doing, does he? Like, he keeps doing something that keeps you in a place where you're going to have to exercise some freedom and own some of the choices in this. Like, you're going to have to step out in faith in this. And so, here's, here's the application. Here's the thing that I want to challenge you with in this. And it's this. Take a step of faith, and then another, and then another, and then another. Right? And you know why? Because that's what adults do. You, you're not going to have all the answers you always want from God before it's time to take a step. But part of adulting is learning to just take those steps. You know, uh, uh, and I get this. I, I get this side of like where you go, okay, but Glenn, be careful. Like if you're challenging someone and maybe they're not very spiritually mature and, and you're just saying go like take a step there, they're not ready for spiritual adulthood. They're not even ready for spiritual young adulthood yet. Maybe, maybe we should hold them back for a little bit of this like spiritual childhood and get a few rules down and then like it's just, then they'll be ready for spiritual adulthood, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing on this. Guess what? No one, no one is ever ready for adulthood. No young person steps into adulthood like physically or spiritually and is like just primed, ready, learned all the lessons and now can just fully step into adulthood because they're completely ready. No way, right? Just think back when you were 16. I think, I'm, you know, I got a few stories I'm thinking of right now and I'm just like, I probably shouldn't share those stories. I'm just like, you know, like no one, like, Part of adulting, it, you know, adulthood is kind of learning on the job training, isn't it? Because part of it is those moments where you step into it and you go, wow, that didn't feel good. Wow, boy, I thought I knew everything there. And then you're just like, oh my gosh, I didn't know nearly as much as I did. And it's so humbling, right? Part of stepping into adulthood is being humble. Part of stepping into adulthood is learning to own those decisions, right? Like, like there's something beautiful uh, to that whole process in there. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Every once in a while, I'll watch a young person, uh, like over the past few decades, I'll see there'll be like a young person uh, that will kind of enter into young adulthood. And, and they just, it, just like everything about you just goes, man, that's one of those rare young people that's just fully ready to just step into adulthood. They have got life figured out. They know what they're doing. They're so mature. They make mature decisions. And just they're ready. And then they just step into adulthood, and you're just like, wow, right? Ever, ever know a young person like that? And you're just like, they, like they, they're there. You know what I've learned over the decades is oftentimes a year Three years, five years later, I look back and like, it, like they've crashed. Like they, they, they're going through something and it's like, oh my gosh, what happened? Like they're like, they're just like, it just their life gets turned upside down. It's just like, oh, what happened? And I think what I've come to believe and understand about that is sometimes we mistake someone being prepared for adulthood when really they had just mastered childhood. 
They knew how to obey all the rules. They knew how to give all the right answers. And then they got into adulthood and found out that just getting all the right answers from someone else doesn't always work. Sometimes you have to step out in faith and, and like that's the thing they struggle with. Sometimes it can happen rapidly. I remember my first semester at Baylor University, um, I showed up and it was like parents week and all the parents were there and all the kids were there and it was exciting. We went through welcome week and did all of this stuff. And then I'll never forget this incredibly weird and strange phenomenon uh, that happened. It was like the morning of welcome week ended. All the parents got in their cars and drove away. And I mean, you could see, still see the taillights in sight as parents were getting on the on-ramp to the freeway to leave the campus. And it was like mayhem broke out in part of the campus. I mean, there were kids that were so well-mannered and behaved, and I mean lots of them. And all of a sudden, mom and dad were gone. And, and, and I say this facetiously, but I also say this like it's kind of true, okay? Um, there, like, there were so many of them, they couldn't like uh, drink it, smoke it, or sleep with it fast enough. It was just like, it was just like, what in the world is happening? They were masters at childhood. And long, as long as the rules were there and the force behind it, a.k.a. mom and dad, they knew how to live. But the moment that was gone, like, they, like, they, they never had a moment of stepping into young adulthood. And they didn't know what they were. They were great kids. It just, they didn't know how to be adults. And what Paul is saying in this moment is like, don't try to be an adult by going back and mastering childhood. Take a step of faith. What you don't need is a six-foot non-climb, uh, you know, non-climb fence around your life anymore. What you need is Jesus with you who will walk with you out the gate into life as an adult. And that's my challenge to you. In moments where it feels scary, in moments like where you're just like, I don't know what to do, and you want to run back to a rule or a law or look to the Bible in that way, take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. Uh, last thing here, last, uh, last point of application here. And this, again, goes back to this thing that when we get in an operating system, it affects all of these other things. And one of the areas that I see in our world where this gets affected the most, and it gets back to what he said earlier, he said, you know what? In the old system, scripture what? Locked you up. Locked you up like a nanny. Told you everything to do. But we're not under that anymore. He says, no longer are you under a nanny, right? So he, here's my challenge. And I want you to hear this for what it's worth. And we'll, we'll walk through this just a little bit. Um, don't treat the Bible like your nanny. That's, God didn't inspire and give us the Bible to treat it like our nanny. It's not there like a manual for life to answer every single question that you and I have about the spiritual life. It's not there to give us every single answer about everything that we're gonna do, uh, every single answer about right and wrong. And like, 
It's meant to do something else. But the moment we make it the answer for everything, like a manual that I can flip in and just have the answer for what to do, what have we just skipped? The process of faith. Like, we, we, we've skipped, we, in a weird way, we, we turned the Bible in, uh, into something that it was never meant to be in this. Like, like don't make the Bible into a six-foot non-climb fence around your life. That, that's, it's meant to be something different. And when we do that with the Bible, we lose the beauty and the power and the awesomeness of what it is. Instead, instead, view Scripture as inspired, inspired by God with insight and power to guide you toward faith and transformation as an adult in Jesus Christ. Bible is amazing when we see it that way. It has this ability to be powerful. It has this ability to do things and infuse things in us that are amazing in this scripture, right? Scripture is what helps us understand how to walk with Christ in faith in this thing. That's what we need in this. I remember that night talking with Chandler on the phone, and we're talking through this uh, whole thing, and he's just like, Dad, like, I just, and he was so fresh, and he's just like, what do I do in this thing? And there was this kind of this conflict, and he wanted to pull back from this thing, but he needed to do this thing, and at the same time, his hopes and dreams of, like, what he would do are, are like, he feels like that they're dying in that moment. And there was a part of me in that moment, right, that was tempted to just say, I got the answer. I got the answer. I can tell you exactly what to do, right? Because I've got all this life experience and I'm just, let me tell you what to do. And it would have been so easy in that moment to just say, Chandler, just do this, right? But if I would have done that, right? What I would do in that moment, I'd be cheating him out of what it means to be in the struggle of adulting, in the struggle of owning his own life, in the struggle of what it takes to have faith, to look forward, to understand who God has made him to be. So in that moment, instead of taking on the role of trying to be a six-foot fence in his life, and, right, and everything is just like, I don't want you to get hurt in this moment, and I don't like, and I just, I hate to see my son suffer in this way. But there was also this point in there, I was just like this, this is his opportunity to grow. And he has invited me to be a part of this precious moment, to walk him through this. And so I started asking him questions and started with, okay, so let's get back to what matters most in your who is who has God created you to be? What are the deepest values about the skills and abilities and passions? And like long-term, what has he called you to be? And watch that help center him in this moment. Okay, so now let's talk about like some of these relationships in there. And he didn't know I was doing this, but I, all I did in that moment was I asked questions that were centered around the understanding of the great commandment, right? Uh, or excuse me, of the golden rule of like, okay, so how you're going to treat this other person? And I just started asking him questions that got him thinking about how he would want to be treated. What would he want withheld or not withheld? How he would want a conversation to go when that conversation went. And I watched him walk through that thing and just start to find a kind of poise and calmness in it and walk through it. And there was still this tentativeness, but we got off the phone and he's just like, okay, I know what I need to go do next. Not because I told him, here's what you need to do next. Because I got to walk him through who God said he was. What I knew his skills and giftings were. 
what I saw in him as his dad, that I know I got to be a source of great encouragement in his life to take a risky step to do something that would actually live out the golden rule in his life in the most practical of ways. I loved getting to do that. And you know what? When we treat the Bible that way, when we seek God out in that way, that's being a spiritual adult in those moments. You know, I still work in my garage. I still get hurt, you know. Like, there's times I'll be in, you know, and I'll, I'll you know, something will happen with a power tool or something. I get hurt or cut up or whatever. And you know what my dad doesn't do now? He doesn't go, oh, Glenn. Okay, I'm coming over. Uh, no garage time for you for the next three weeks, you know. No. My dad's 80 years old. He is the most wonderful man in the world. And you know what he does now? Well, I bet that hurt. I'm sorry. When are you coming over? Let's have dinner together, right? This is just like, he is there to encourage me. He is there to help me with anything. But he's not trying to build fences in my life anymore. Because he treats me like an adult now. But he's still my dad. See, to step out in faith is not, don't fear that somehow, if I don't use the Bible as some rule book, that I'm being abandoned by God. And so, No. God is there as you're encouraged. To have a faith relationship with Jesus is to be in a relationship where in a combination of Scripture and relating to God and relating to Christ, he is growing you up to live out who he created you to be. And that's going to take some faith. That's going to take some risk. And it's going to take some time. But that's spiritual adulting friends. Why don't you stand? I'm going to close this. And as we do, I just want to say, if you're a guest here this morning, it's so good to have you here uh, this morning. And I'm going to be around probably right over here somewhere and would love uh, to just uh, shake your hand and welcome you uh, here this morning. Let, let me pray. We'll be dismissed. Father, we just thank you so much uh, for your son, Jesus Christ, and uh, how he came into this world and ushered us into a new era of faith and walking with him. And may you strengthen us and keep calling us to this life of faith with you and your son. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Have a great morning. See you next Sunday.